0: you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training.
1: Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a
0: review. And Welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by John Neuenberg. Welcome, John.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: I am super excited for today's conversation, John. You are also a business coach and you have a lot on the heart to share. But before we get into all of that, do you want to give us a little bit of background of where you are right now and how you ended up where you are?
1: Well, I'm a business coach. I've been a business coach since 2004. Uh, But the other answer, which is also true, is all of my life. Uh, It was Steve Jobs who says we only connect the dots going backwards. And I had an epiphany, one of those kind of middle of the night kind of moments of insight where I realized, man, I've always been a coach. Um, It was called different things at different stages of my life, but uh, professionally as a coach since 2004.
0: Excellent, excellent. So one of the key challenges that we see again and again with people and particularly small business owners is this challenge around time and having time to do things, always having a million things to do and how to prioritize and so on. So what, what's your take generally on, on getting things done and, and utilizing the time you have as a small business owner?
1: Well, um, most small business owners think about time as filling up their calendar, and they do that from the bottom up. And they do whatever happens to be next on their list of priorities. and the thing I'd like to tease you with a little bit is would you get on an airplane if you knew the pilot didn't have a navigation plan? Of course not, it'd be silly. Would you spend a week without a map of how your time meets or matches your priorities? And what do I mean by that? Well, every every one of us should have a thing called a default diary or time blocking. And what that is, is uh, first of all, to ask yourself a, a series of questions. So the first one is, uh, what are my priorities this week? What are the must-dos that I... Uh, plan for myself. Uh, The second question is, what do you have to do? What do I do in order to meet those priorities? And then third, how much of that? And then how do I match my time so it uh, reflects those priorities? Or as Tom Peters put it, you are a perfect reflection of your calendar and calendars never lie. And so it's a instead of a bottom up way of thinking about your calendar, it's a top down way where you plug in and uh, appointments with yourself. Really, the, the appointments we make with ourselves are as important, more important than the appointments we make with others. Or uh, if you think of it a different way, if you have 150 priorities, how many priorities do you have? None. You don't have any. That's right. And that's the hard thing to get our head around. And what that really means is you can have maybe three or five priorities. And that means you're saying no to 145 things. And every one of those could be a priority. Every one of those things is something that's important to do. And yet, in the grand scheme of things, you have to make choices. The choices are, what do I focus on? What do I choose, therefore, not to do? That's a hard thing for business owners to to actually put into place.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think fundamentally, I mean, for me, if I have one or two priorities, I feel I'm pretty filled up, right? So, uh yeah, it's, I mean, I I, I have a similar view and I, I think I, I read many years ago, uh, The Effective Executive from Drucker, and mm. uh I think it was about 20 years ago I read that the first time and, uh, and it's, it, it, the way he goes into time really helps you understand that concept, right? Like just... Mm really understanding like for me it's exactly as you say you schedule the time for yourself first and then you add other things whereas realistically most people operate the other way around they let other people fill up their calendar and then eventually they see if there's any time left to do the things that actually matter right
1: yeah and if you're letting others uh, govern your calendar you're responding to everyone else's priorities but not to your own and um Uh, we want to be service-minded, we want to be available, and yet it's hard to to be clear about the boundaries that you set for yourself. It feels like in some way you're not very service-minded and it's counterintuitive, but the truth is you're not. Um, And so um, there's a reason why we're instructed to put on our face mask first and then the infant. We have to look after ourselves because otherwise we can't look after others. And, um, you know, that, that instruction feels counterintuitive and yet it's, uh, you know, it's, it's the wisest thing to do. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, and it's the same in a business. I mean, fundamentally, right? If, you, if you're if you not looking after the business, if you're too busy looking after everything else and the business suddenly have no money left, then, you know, yeah. you fail everyone, both your yeah. clients and your staff and yourself. So.
1: Ultimately yourself, exactly.
0: How, how do you figure out your priorities then, John?
1: Well, um, there's two critical habits that you want to have. So first of all, you need to plan your week before it starts. So take 20 minutes, typically on a Sunday, have a think about the week. Um, think about how that week fits with your 90-day plan. Of course, the 90-day plan is fitted into your overall plan. But um, So what are the week's priorities and how does that fit with your 90-day plan? And then map out your week accordingly. Uh, and then the second most important activity is the last thing you do before you call it a day is to take 10 minutes to plan tomorrow. And what the, and the reasons to do that is make that plan at the end of the day while the day is still fresh in your mind's eye. Um, our brain is very poor at keeping balls in the air. It, it produces a lot of anxiety. So when you make that list, immediately your anxiety will decrease. Uh, sometimes the list is longer than you imagine, but just simply getting it out of your mind and, and documenting it helps. Uh, third is uh, you'll actually sleep better uh, because you've put that list down there. And then uh, fourth is uh, your your brain is actually working the list as you sleep subconsciously. We often wake up, often we have our best ideas when we have, when we're in the shower, we'll the same thing subconsciously. And then uh, the final thing is when you get to the office the next day, you're not spending 30 to 30 minutes trying to figure out what am I going to do today? You you immediately have traction you your off and running. Um, so that'd be tip number one. Uh, tip number two is uh, control the interruptions and in how people get access to your calendar. So um, if one example of that is your phone ought to be on do not disturb 100% of the time.
0: My phone is not just on do not disturb. It have not had sound on for about 30 years. So Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, and again, that sounds counterintuitive, but Tony Robbins puts it this way if we, every time we take a disruption, interruption, the phone pings, rings, or dings, or, you know, uh, someone walks into our office, it takes about 20 minutes to get back to the same level of focus as we had before the uh, interruption occurred. Again, Tony would say that we're best when we chunk our time into blocks of two hours. So for two hours, we do we focus on a thing. And if you take three, for example, three disruptions in that space, you've lost half your productivity. So uh, control uh, the, the access you give others to your calendar and control how devices get access to you. In other words, if every time the phone rings, you pick up the phone, the phone, the tails is wagging the dock, the phone operates you. And it op- really, of course, it needs to be the other way around. The phone operates when you want it to operate.
0: Definitely. And I, that was probably one of my biggest learning points when I worked corporately. And So I worked in IBM for a long time and Xerox. And one of the things that I saw most people, every time they got an email, they had this pop up on their screen. Yeah, And I was like, it took me about 20 seconds to go in and disable it and remove it forever and ever because talk about disruptions.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, you know, it's pretty well known that every one of those pings, rings and dings, the emails, etc., it's kind of a bit of dopamine and and we we get sort of hooked you know literally hooked on it and we're now running every time we get one of those pings rings or dings instead of the other way around so it's it's um it takes a massive shift in how you think about things in order to um, actually become much more productive than you would yeah, the,
0: the big question I always get, because uh, I mean, I literally never answer my phone, uh, <laughs> honestly. So the, the big question I always get is, so what what if an important customer calls? Or what if this happens? Or what if that happens? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm sure that they can wait, you know. Yeah, in, so in, yeah,
1: what uh, what I encourage people to do as a simple form of uh, time blocking is to uh, take 30 minutes at 8, 10, noon, 2, and 4. So that's five times a day, 8, 10, noon, 2, and 4. You take 30 minutes to triage, to process all of the emails, all the pings, rings, and dings. And in that 30 minutes, you'll recognize you might have had 10 things that grabbed your attention, three of which might actually require a bit of your time or a bit of your focus. Seven, you can set aside. And so in that one uh, 30-minute window, you take care of all the possible disruptions, Uh, no one well, nearly no one could would consider that you aren't accessible if you're returning important emails and phone calls every two hours. And then what do you do with the next 90 minutes? Whatever you want. Focused yeah. without yeah. disruption. I,
0: I was about to say, I tend to do it two to three times a day. I mean, I usually do it early on in the day and then around lunchtime and then at the end of the day. Right, But um, I again, for me, it's it's just those interruptions. And also, yeah. also fundamentally, I think it's also a way to train yourself, right? Because if you're constantly looking for that dopamine, if you're constantly jumping on things, like the problem is if I see an email that I really want to action, but I'm like, you know, this is going to take a while. I don't want to go into a one hour thing where I have to go and do something. Sure, And and screw up the plans that I have for the day. Uh, yeah. So I, I think a lot of the time for me, it's also some, some kind of self-control, right? Because it's easy, like particularly with email, I find it so easy to go in and ruin my priorities by doing something yeah. that's urgent, yeah. but not necessarily important enough, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Um... James Clear wrote a book called Atomic Habits. It's brilliant. And amongst the things that he says that's relevant to what you're talking about here is we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems or structure. And so if we rely on our willpower to ignore that email, that won't work. Our willpower, it's a bit of a myth. We run out of willpower or discipline. Uh, it, it gets exhausted far too quickly, far more than we uh, you know sort of expect to be reasonable. So build structure or systems around you um, that support the goal, support the activity. So I'm going to give you a real quick example. There's a guy named Sean Aker, did a TED Talk. He's a professor, wrote a book. It's, it's awesome. But one of the things he talks about is he wanted to learn to play guitar. So he put a, a guitar in his living room. Um, but you know, every time he went into the living room, he happened to pick up the TV remote because that was the easiest thing to do, the default thing to do, right? So then he changed his environment. He took out the batteries from the remote, he put it in another part of the house that was 20 seconds away to get to, just 20 seconds. Now he goes into the living room, what's the default, easiest thing to do? Pick up the guitar. So if you're not doing the things you want to do. If you're relying on willpower to change those things, that's not going to happen. What you want to do is how can I change the structure or the systems or my environment so that it supports um, the behavior that I'm seeking. And one of those things could be just shut down your email. Don't open that browser, shut down your email client so that you don't actually see it. because otherwise, it's just far too easy to get distracted. Certainly turn off any notifications that you have, anything that causes you to get distracted.
0: Yeah, yeah. actually, so the way I operate it generally is I have a separate tab where I have email and a few other things. And I only exactly. open those if I actually need them. So they are generally open. I just yeah. purposely put them in a place where I don't see if emails come in, if I don't see if these things pop up, right?
1: Yeah, that's what you have to do because otherwise, you know, that email is it's just far too easy to take notice of it.
0: So I'm I'm curious, John. Like so you you suggested earlier that that to do like these 3-hour sort of work windows. Like how how do you find that? Like how do do you feel you you're productive for a 3-hour period or what, what's your experience with it?
1: Well, it it was a 2-hour period. That's, that's what uh, Tony Robbins was saying. Um, um and, uh, you know, a default diary looks a little bit different for everybody, depending on your particular circumstances. Yeah. My time is very structured because I'm always meeting with clients that are, you know, recurring time. So uh, mine's much easier to do. Um, yeah. There's other examples, other ways that you can structure it. Um, um, Typically, you have to start with the premise, though, that um, what I'm going to do is have a default diary. A great way to start is to do a time audit. When was the last time someone on the call took a week and made a record? Just print out a, a sheet, you know, a, um, um, a spreadsheet with days of the week across the top, hours of your workday on the on the y-axis, and keep a record for in 15-minute blocks of how you spend your time. And uh, what you'll find is that when you go to review your week, you're almost certain that you'll find five to seven hours worth of work that you shouldn't be doing. Right? Not, can, not
0: just that, but it doesn't, even if you should be doing it, it might not match your priorities, right? Like, for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, nowadays with Upwork, with that, you know, the website where Freelancers around the world make their services available, it's easy to find a virtual assistant who will do much of the work that you identify as not the greatest and best use of your time. But work that may be necessary to get done, that doesn't mean you have to do it. In fact, one of the most important questions you can ask yourself is not how can I get this done? A better question is how can this get done? Yep. And the only thing I changed is who you focus on in terms of actually doing the work. Yeah,
0: yeah, hundred uh, percent. I have about two hundred virtual assistants. So
1: two hundred. Yeah. Oh my gosh.
0: Well, I have a whole company with them, so that's uh, one of, one of my fun businesses. But yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's it's so amazing to have great people around you, right? And it just it enables you to do more. I think yeah. uh, from definitely from a priority standpoint, like that. I I've always had. And, and most people look at me and say I don't work a lot, but, but basically I, I schedule three time slots a day typically uh, mm-hmm. where I have either one hour or one and a half hour time slot where I plan to do deep work right? Mm. So that means I work between three to four and a half hours a day of deep work. Right. And it it kind of depends, you know, what are the priorities, what are the things and, you know, sometimes I, I do the same as yourself. So every Sunday, I sit down, I look at the week ahead, and I basically plan it out. So I, I plan the entire week on the Sunday, and I basically yeah. try and make sure that I plan in the priorities, the most important things to get done. Um, And and for me, that, that works quite well. What I've always found is that Don't try and schedule eight hours. Don't try and schedule seven hours because you'll never get it done. But what I find is consistently, if you schedule three, four, four and a half hours, maybe at a push to do deep work, you can do it consistently. And just like with everything, you're much better being consistent over time than trying to do a lot and failing on a consistent basis.
1: That's a, a great... Uh, sort of uh, um, way for a lot of people to get started is to have you know three blocks 90 minutes deep work and then how do you spend the rest of your day doesn't yeah. matter yeah. you can do it you can continue doing whatever it is you're doing if you're comfortable with that but if you specifically have a, a, a very careful think about what's the most important blocks or activities that I need to do and you set that aside into those um, uh, three times 90 minutes that's a Um, Very good suggestion for deep work. And um, that alone will make you more productive.
0: I've tried longer sessions. I mean, I personally for myself, I find that I can definitely focus for 60 minutes and I can often focus for 90 minutes with certain types of work. But I've tried doing longer than that. And I find like I lose concentration at some point. Sure.
1: Yeah.
0: So yeah. so that again, people need to figure out what works for them, right? But yeah. uh, but at least for me, that that's kind of how I feel it works best. So.
1: Yeah. So you've just made an important point. The concept, the principles of what we're talking about are universal, but how it applies to your particular situation, each circumstance needs to be adapted. Uh, and there's lots of different ways that you can do this. But ultimately, at the end of the day, is um, uh, have a default diary.
0: Fantastic, fantastic.
1: Uh, Well, actually, one
0: of my favorite books on the topic is uh, The One Thing, Yeah. uh, which you might have heard about, which is, I I think for most entrepreneurs, that's such a valuable book. I I really recommend it to a lot of people just because, again, it gets you into this mindset, right?
1: Yeah. Um, What's the, uh, if all you did is ask yourself this question, what's the one thing I can do such that by doing it, everything else becomes easier or unnecessary. If you did that, and that alone, and you stuck to the answer that you come up with, that'll that'll make you more productive. That's the one thing question, of course, that you're talking yeah, about. The yeah, focusing yeah. question is how they uh, label that.
0: Totally, totally. Right. So you touched a little bit, John, uh, upon sort of getting work to other people and delegation a little bit. How how do you find the right people?
1: Well. Um... Recruiting is very difficult these days. Um, there's just, globally, there's it, you know there's a shortage of great people. One of the things that I'll say about what I see with the kind of people that I work with, the owners that I work with, is that they tend to do recruiting kind of on the side of their desk. And what I mean by that is, uh, they don't give it the level of attention, the level of uh, focus that it really requires. So when we think about what it's like to acquire customers, we put a lot of effort into that. We All the marketing we're doing, all the selling, the sales process that we follow through on, and that for many owners is 30, 40, 50% of all the time that they spend. And then when it comes to recruiting somebody, they kind of, you know, they might give that 30 minutes at some point as they're really thinking about scrambling to get the rest of their week done. And so, uh, recruiting requires the same level of focus as you give in recruiting, if I can use that word, and more broadly to recruiting the kind of customers that you want. Uh, and so we talk about a four-step recruiting process, and uh, of those four steps, the second is the most important. That instead of just posting an ad on Indeed or you know Craigslist or you know a, a single location, which is really kind of just table stakes, it's not even table stakes today. Um, uh, one way to think about that is how many different lines in the sea, if I use a metaphor, how many different hooks can I set? So it's not just Indeed, but uh, does everybody in your company know that you're recruiting for a position? Does everybody in the company have that available on their own social pages, Facebook or whatever they happen to be using? Can we broadcast that uh, to everybody? Are we recruiting with our present and past customers. Perhaps they know somebody that can help us. Why don't we, you know, it's a good news story. We're expanding, we're growing, we're looking for someone to help us do the, continue to do the great work we're doing. Um, uh, perhaps your own team uh, can be incentivized. You know, there's lots of these kind of uh to somebody that we hire and we'll give both you and that person a bonus at the end of a 90 day period. And so uh, it ultimately comes down to recruiting requires the same level of, of focus, creativity, attention, and effort as we give uh, recruiting for customers.
0: Yeah, I, I, I was actually going to disagree with you a little bit what, in your first statement saying, uh, I, I I don't think it have ever been easier to hire Um at a personal level than it is right now. But uh, I I think, again, for me, it's all about network, right? So Mm -hmm. exactly as you alluded to, talk to your customers, talk to your network. I mean, so many people like LinkedIn, for example, is an absolutely amazing tool as well. And uh, I I think you you have an easier time than ever in history reaching a lot of people, and particularly a lot of people who know someone in your business, right? And, and reality is, like I always say, like when you know people up front, when you when you actually looking at recruiting and, and someone walks through the door that you are familiar with, you are you are significantly more likely to find great people. Right? Yeah, because when you meet people in a non interview situation, you get to know them in a different way. And uh, I always love it when, when when you have people saying, oh, you know, this person was just hired because they know someone. And reality is the essence of recruitment is avoiding failure, right? Yeah, and, it and is. And when you're trying to avoid failure, if you have a good understanding and a good philosophy and uh, of at least understanding of someone you're looking to hire, if you know that they're going to work out because they're consistent or they're whatever, uh, you know, that gives you a huge leg up. And sure that's- That's the biggest reason, right? And uh, again, your team. I mean, if you have a team of great people, they wanna work with other great people, right? They're they're generally not gonna refer someone to you that they think will not do a good job because who want a bunch of colleagues who aren't pulling their weight, right?
1: Yeah. So what you're describing, I refer to as having a bench and uh, a bench is kind of a sports train term for having a, a, a group of people that you can act as a, that are ready to step in and take over whenever you need them. So in the uh, middle seventies, I was engaged as a um, store manager of a menswear store. And uh, I was in a location where it was very difficult to recruit in those days. And Uh, Part of our habit is when um, my local um, supervisor and I would, about every two months, we'd tour the mall that I was working in those days. And my job was to point out the two best salespeople in that mall that weren't yet working for me. And so anytime I needed a salesperson, we already had a conversation going, uh, so that we could pick that up and and convert that from you know conversation over lunch or coffee into a conversation about potentially working together. So how do you do that in today's environment? Well, amongst the things you want to do is get a recruiter, and that's easy to do these days. There's lots of recruiters available on um, you know freelance job sites around the world. Upwork's my favorite. And they can use LinkedIn in the way that you're describing to reach out to people in the particular area, whatever your profession or trade is, um, and to start a conversation. And at any given time, have three, five, seven people that you've had some contact with, started a conversation. Um, You may not need to act on it. You're doing this in anticipation of of uh needing not necessarily because of the fired you know the emergency happened someone gave you notice on friday and now you're no no have this already ready and uh in place um when you have a third party doing it it's easy for those people to reach out to some of the other people in your marketplace so that it isn't you reaching out you're not poaching you're having uh, a third party make these anonymous kinds of calls and and when the time is right it or the need becomes um available, then you can follow up and have that conversation with someone as you describe, that you've already had some insight, perhaps even a coffee or lunch or something, chatting about the weather or the business or the circumstances. And when that need arises in a week, a month, a year, you've got a bench that you can turn to. So um, I'd agree with the notion that it's actually easier than ever to be recruiting. So many business owners only start uh, recruiting when there's a need. And that usually means there's an emergency. And now we're scrambling and we're hoping just to get anybody. Into- and now we're making bad choices. <laughs> making bad choices, exactly. Yeah. To, to that end, I often recommend that people hire, you know, our ability, at least my ability to interview, screen, et cetera, it might be 50-50. Maybe you can, maybe you're a little bit better. Maybe you're 60, 46% of the time you you hire and it works out. What my experience is that what we do is we hire someone and then a month or maybe six weeks down the track, every time we think of that person, our stomach hurts. I don't know if this is working out. I don't know if this feels right and what we tend to do is then camp on one bad decision with another one because it's you know difficult to start recruiting again it's difficult to deal with the consequences of having to let someone go who's not going to work out and then we find ourselves 6 months down the track and now we know for sure it wasn't the right person and so in some way or another we have to tilt the odds in our favor and there's you know there, it depends on the circumstances sometimes you can hire two people and let see which one works out that's great if you can. Um, on the other hand, what you what certainly you could do is hire someone and yet continue to be recruiting, continue to look for the second, third, fourth choice because if you're into it for two, three, four weeks and you recognize the person I'm high hired may not be and I'm starting to doubt if this is the right person. you'll you'll make that decision much more much more quickly if you know you've got a second choice, third choice, fourth choice. Uh, that might have been actually best if it uh, was your first choice, but at least you still got a bench, someone that you can re, you know, turn to and, and take the decision much more quickly that it's time to make a shift.
0: Totally. And I, I think one of the key things for me with that is I see a lot of the time where people interview a bunch, they go through a whole list and they hire the best one even though they're not comfortable, that individual can actually do the job. So one of the things that I always do when I go through it with my clients is, you know, even if you go through 10 people, you interview them, if you're sitting with an individual in front of you that you're not comfortable, can do a great job, you want to say no, right? And yes, you're desperate. Yes, you've already spent a bunch of time, but it's so important to get it right. Yeah, definitely it
1: is. Um, so I agree with that philosophy. It can be difficult to do. and the thing you want to ask yourself is what would I do? What would I have to have in place so I wouldn't ever feel like I didn't have any options. Um, when you don't have options, you're the one who's stuck. Leverage comes when you have options. and in this case means I've got three, four, five people that all could reasonably do a good job that I can turn to or take the conversation to the next level when it's when it's time.
0: Yeah excellent john excellent um yeah i think we that's been that's been definitely a very interesting conversation if people are eager to get to know more about you what's the best place to do so
1: well you can do that on my website w5coaching.com um, you can find out lots about me um or if you're feeling like you've got a question or two or want to follow through on something we've talked about go to timewithjohn.com timewithjohn.com uh, that'll take you to my Calendly link and we'll book in a 15 minute call. And hopefully I can answer you any questions you might have or if there's uh, something more that we might want to do, we'll we'll go ahead and book a longer call. Excellent.
0: I love the domain. I love the domain. Yeah, it's John. easy. To,
1: you know, Calendly slash uh, W5 coaching slash 15 minutes is very hard to remember. So timewithjohn.com will take it to the same place.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Well, John, thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, Lots of valuable lessons you've shared with us and uh, I'm sure the audience will appreciate it.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: And to the audience, thank you very much for hanging on all the way to the end. We'll be back again next week.
1: Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.